My notes are on my computer this morning. I normally don't do that. But I was spending the morning when I woke up at 4.30 and I was talking to Stephen, just praying. And I have a few things that I want to share with you. Let me get on this. When it comes to this year and the things I was praying, God, please give us vision. In churches across the nation right now, they're talking about what the vision is for the year. God gave me one word. One word that he put on my heart that I wrote down. Didn't know what to do with it, and I made notes as I went along. You may notice up here in the front, though, that there's lanterns in the front. Part of our vision for 2020 is to go forward. Those were two specific words that we had written down probably six months ago. And the idea in going forward, when I would pray, I would just feel like just seeing someone holding out a lantern. Holding out a lantern, because see, where we're going to go, God's going to need to light up dark places at times. Where we need to go, I want people to see his light proceeding where I go. I think of times when maybe you lose something. You ever been outside at night and you've had your phone and you got your light and you're looking and you're looking. I think that there are people that God is going to send into the midst of this house and they're going to see the light and they're going to say, I don't know why I'm coming. See, I feel lost. I don't feel like I'd fit in. I don't feel worthy. I don't. And we're going to, in those moments, go forward in the most gentle ways of God's love. And so as we go through this year, if you see lanterns here and there, I want you to think about what your role can be as part of this family going forward. To start out this year, part of going forward, we're going to be starting 21 days of prayer and fasting. Again, is this something that many churches do? Yeah. But Pastor Allen's been praying, and Pastor Allen has been writing things out specific to this body. And here's why we're doing what we're doing. See, when you fast, it's not twisting God's arms spiritually to get your way. It's putting yourself on God's page. And during these 21 days, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have copies that are available that we're going to pass out at the end of service. It's going to be one week of devotions, one for every day. We're going to give one out each week, one packet of seven days. During that time, I would ask this, that you would pray, God, what would you have me fast? Maybe he would ask you to fast lunch every day and to take that time and to just put your phone away, turn all the noise off, read over this short devotion, and then just pray. Seek his heart and know that your church family is praying in the same manner and there is a synergy in the spirit. We're going to do that. And we're going to end this on the 26th, Sunday night. And we want to come together for a PM service that night. And we just want to celebrate what God is doing. That's how we're going to go forward unified as a body. That has power. And so 
here's what we're going to do. At the end of service, we will pass these out. Some of you may think, I do my devotions on my phone. You know, I do. That's fine. What we can do is, if you will email the church office, if you wonder what's the email address, you could see me after church, we can let you know what that is. We can send you a PDF copy of that. But here's what I ask. Take a minute and be intentional with the things that God is leading us to do. During these 21 days, think of the spiritual warfare that will go on. During these 21 days, think of the things that he's going to speak to you specifically. Because, see, he's going to speak vision over this body. But it's not always going to flow from this mouth. It's going to flow from the things that God's whispering, from the things that come forth. And we know that as a family. And so I challenge you during this time to get into that. For the new year, we have some values. I'm going to be sharing a couple of those every week. One of the values that we want to go forward with as a church are 100% contributors and not consumers. What do I mean by that? I mean, find your place in the family. Put your hand to something to do. It's funny that Patty mentioned this morning about her parents and about the class and things like that. Because a couple days ago, I was with my family. And they were talking about when my in-laws, when Mona and Dennis, Dennis had lost his job when he was younger. And they were going through a time where they were losing things. And what's crazy is the names that came up were the people in their church family who were going to the bank on their behalf, who were paying for their kids to be in a Christian school, who were doing these things. And the reason I bring that up is this. Being a part of a family is such an intentional thing. It's not a talk thing. It's not an every other week thing. See, those people knew the needs of each other because they were together. What I'm asking for this year is for us to be together. I don't want to be unified in all the things we complain about. I want to be unified in the places that God is taking us. Because see how Pat said, back then, now can be like back then if we're intentional about it. The second thing, a second value that we have, our faith is ridiculous faith. It's ridiculous. I want to be able to stand and pray bold prayers. If the devil himself is standing nose to nose with me. I will speak life. It is in those moments and it's being intentional that we can get to the places that God wants to take us. See, to be a part of this body, the thing I was talking about before, we want to expand opportunities for people to serve. See, if you look at it and you think, I wish I could do that, and it doesn't exist yet, maybe God wants you to be the person to start that. When it comes to these groups, like Patty was talking about, see, I don't have a special skill. I'm not a very good teacher, but I sure like to fish. There's your group. You know what? 
I don't know that I could do these things, but I like to go to the range and shoot some. Well, the hot lead therapy is your group, right? God will use the things because when you get Christians together, Christian things happen. That's what it's about. If we're intentional, we will go places. To bring you to this point, though, the one word that God spoke, and I wrote it down. He said, speak about this. Give me my word, Chris Miller. You're doing a great job. Thank you. And so when he gives you a word, you be obedient. See, I can give you a recap of the Lazarus story. Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. Lazarus became ill. Lazarus' illness got worse, and Jesus was informed. Jesus did not go right away to Lazarus, and Lazarus passed away. When Jesus came onto the scene, people asked questions of Jesus. Where were you? Why did you not show up when we think that you should show up? And as I'm sitting, as I'm typing these things this morning, as I'm thinking of that song that Dina referenced, the waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, that's who you are. Even when I can't see it, you're working, it says in that song. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. That's the God that I serve. And so this morning, I wanted to talk to you about two points. The first one, there is a difference between weeping and crying. Oh. And the second is this, that the power of your prayer is more powerful than anything that you can imagine in this moment. See, my Savior is not distant from us. He's not distant. And so when we read about this, Jesus comes. Jesus is led to the place where Lazarus, who has passed away, has been laid. They take Jesus before that. Mary falls at his feet. And when Jesus is standing before the place where Lazarus lays, it says that he begins to weep. He begins to groan. See, in that moment, do you know what's happened? Jesus isn't crying because Jesus is hopeless. What Jesus is doing is identifying with the fact that there was grief in the air. He was identifying with the fact that there was heaviness. When it says he groaned, it says it's almost an indignant sound. It's almost anger. Because Jesus knows in this moment that the effects of what he is seeing are part of this fallen world. And he knows that he holds the answer to these things. And he is going to step into an arena very soon, within the next week probably, where he's going to take the devil on toe to toe. And he's going to defeat death, hell, and the grave. 
And so when he stands here and he's weeping, do you know what he's saying? He's saying, I put on flesh and I walk in the same places that you walk. See, when he went under that cold water and got baptized, he's like, I do the same things that you do. I feel what you feel. I'm here with you in this moment. And when I'm here with you, I have a plan. And so he cries, and as he's standing there, the incarnate God, the presence of tears does not mean the victory of despair. As I walked into a hospital room and I saw a little girl on more machines than I've ever seen before, and I spoke life, and I said, God, you are a healer in this moment. You are a healer in this moment. And you know what I thought about? I thought about in that very hallways where Benjamin was cutting a rug. That same pick you, the highest level of care in the hospital, where I saw my main man go from laying on his stomach, not really wanting to move, to cutting a rug and entertaining everyone in that hospital. And see, it wasn't just that he likes to dance. It's the joy of the Lord's in him. So put the devil on notice. The flag's already been planted in that pick you. So when Jesus is brought in that moment and he's questioned, he says this, I'm the resurrection and the life. In a moment when most people would be thinking, what are you doing? What are you talking about? Can't you see reality? Jesus himself turns it on his head and he turns to someone and he says these words, believest thou this? In other words, do you believe what I'm saying? Because in this moment, it's important for you to believe what Jesus is saying. It's important for you to understand that there are times when he's weeping. See, what's weird is when we weep hard, it's hard for us to see. But when Jesus weeps, he's looking through those tears in love to us. When he looks at us and he sees us in that time, do you know what he says to these people around him? Move the stone. See, when we begin to praise it begins to move those things out of the way so the miraculous can take place. It's almost like taking the broom and cleaning it off because something is happening here. Something is happening. So he walks up to that place, and when he says move the stone, he's saying, get the things that lie between me and the one that I love out of the way. See, I need you to move that so I can look into those dark places. Because what you need to understand is that where he is, darkness cannot be. And so as he's staring into that, what you need to understand is this. And it kind of blew my mind. When I read this, it talked about Lazarus. In parentheses, there's a verse that says... that Mary, his sister, had poured ointment out on Jesus' feet. Same one who blessed Jesus. Here's what's strange about that. She didn't do that until the next chapter. The reason that I say why that's strange is this. 
When we praise, it supersedes how we look at time. When you begin to praise, it goes into the atmosphere, and you don't really control where it goes. And so as Jesus stands here, I can't help but think, because people were saying to him, Lord, don't move that stone. It's going to stink. Lord, don't move that stone. You don't want, no, we don't want what's behind there. And Jesus, I can't help but think that when Mary had poured out that expensive ointment, that people scolded her about on Jesus' feet, that in that moment, that praise was already in the air. Why is it important for us to praise? Because I believe right now as the angels are in that room, as the angels are on that floor making their rounds that supersede any physician, that we need to praise because it fills an atmosphere. That praise will go before, and I can just see, can you imagine that angel walking down the hall and just, what's that smell? Oh, that's praise that most of the religious people would turn their nose up at is what that is. There is power in your prayer. See, the difference between weeping and crying is that a few moments after those things happened that I talked about, it says that Jesus cried with a loud voice. Before he cried, he prayed, and I'm going to share what he said in a minute, but when he cried with a loud voice, you know what he said, Lazarus, come forth. Know the difference between weeping and crying, because when he weeps, he is going to bat spiritually in places that I cannot see. But when he cries out, he is speaking life. He is speaking life. Because see, with Lazarus, the way it was supposed to happen was back then, you were placed in a family cave, a plot, and your body would remain there for a year, and then they would go and they'd collect your bones. And there were certain things that they would do when it came to funerals at that time. See, there were customs among the Jewish people at that time, and you had to hire flute players and professional mourners to go along with this. And so it's almost like I can just see the flute player standing and Jesus just being like, no need for that. You may want to start playing something happier here in a second. That's who God is. But when he goes to pray, it says this in the Bible. It says that as he's praying, the first words he says, God, I know that you hear me. I say this to start out the new year. I challenge you with each one of these 21. Lead off your prayer with those words. Lead it off with confidence. And when I say it sometimes, I'm looking down smiling like devil. Did you hear that? You can't block these prayers. You can't separate me from the love of God. You can't take the power away from what he's about to do. And so Jesus, when he goes to pray, it says there, I know you hear me. And he references the fact that, God, I know you always hear me. And he's saying it for the comfort of those around him. Because when the miraculous happens... Sometimes we don't even expect it. We don't know how it's going to come because it's in his timing. It's in the way that he does things. When the miraculous appears, it looks different. Mary 
with that anointing that she had done. When God tells you to pour out praise, I don't care where you are. Do it. I was yesterday, day before maybe, going to get a coffee at the hospital. And man, it just hit me. And I could have cared less because I just needed a moment with Jesus. You know, I'd said before, sometimes you got to take a moment because there's some places that I can go spiritually when physically I cannot go there. We've talked about that. The line, the line going to the OR. There's a line that goes to the OR. And I remember standing there and seeing Benjamin passed over to these doctors, put in the hands of the best physicians in our area. But there was a line that you couldn't go past. But oh my God can. And so if there's a line today in your life that you're like, I don't know what to do. If the line's been drawn, then know that the line doesn't stop him. Know that he is going to intercede and he's going to do what he is going to do. What I love about this story is this. The name Lazarus means this. God has helped. He has. Past tense. Meaning this, that the things that weigh on our heart the heaviest, my God has already gone before me and he has already moved in those situations. He has already gone before and he has already stood there in those situations. In this first service of 2020, I want to begin this with praise. And so see, when we come together to pray here at the end, this is not a mournful prayer that I pray. It is a praise-filled prayer. I'm not standing before my God begging him for crumbs. I'm standing before him thanking him for pouring out blessing in ways that I cannot even imagine and see. See, I want the praise to be an introduction to a story because when you think about this, where Lazarus was in that town of Bethany, to this day, it's still known as the town of Lazarus. Because when something miraculous happens, it begins to shape the culture of that area. That's what I want. That's how I want it to be. I want the things that God does for him to become famous. I want this to be an area. I'm not saying this church. God, do this for our church. No. Let us be part of a movement. Begin to let it flow from this area. Begin to set the churches in this area in the same mindset where there's a desperation. When we say these are the last days, let us run in that manner. See, God's sovereign at all times over all things. It's easy to say sometimes when we're feeling healthy. It's easy to say sometimes when our loved ones are in perfect health. But to be able to stand and to believe that, to say you are sovereign, I focus on your will. No matter what comes before me, I'm focused on your will. I was talking to someone. And they said, one of the hardest things is this, to entrust those that you love to these words. God, I place them in your hands. That is true faith. To every parent here, to literally place all that love you have for your child into the Lord's hands, believing that he's a good father and that he is going to bless and he's going to keep in a way that we could not. That's how we're going to pray. God, 
you've got this. You've got this. Waymaker. I can't see the way right now, but you're making it. You're a promise keeper. You're not a man that you should lie. A light in the darkness. Oh, yeah. That's who he is. Here's what I would ask. Understand that when God does the things that he does, those people who stand around and may not really know what he's doing, it may seem strange. Because, see, when God does the miraculous, sometimes the miraculous stumbles out into the light, squinting, still wrapped up in the things that covered the miracle. As I said before, the religious may shake their head. Those who are more about theology than the power of God may tell you ten ways why it may not work. I'll tell them God doesn't go by their figures. And so we're going to stand. If you could at this moment, stand on up and we're going to pray. If I could get Al to come up and to play. Your praise is your praise. Nick, I can't speak for all the things that God's done for you. In this moment, though, when we lift up our praise to God, make it yours. Oh, it can seem small. It can seem silly to someone. You can say, I don't want to do that. Where we go, we go together. What are you thankful for? What has he done? Let's bow our heads, and right now I just challenge you to raise up a praise to him. God, I thank you for all that you have done in the lives of this family. I thank you, Lord, for the ways that you have provided. When, God, it looked like it may be the end when it comes to finances, when it comes to health, when it comes to things they have faced, you have done miraculous things, God, you have stationed your angels. Guard over them. Lord, there have been wars in the heavenly that they may not even know about, but right now we praise you, God. I thank you for the health that you have given. I thank you for the health that you're going to give. God, I thank you that there is no disease that is bigger than you, that cancer bows to you, God, that pneumonia bows to you. And God, I pray right now spiritually that you would put a dance in their heart just like Benjamin cut that rug in that PICU unit, Lord. I pray right now that you would put that dance in our heart because that's who you are. I will walk in your joy. I will declare your joy. I will not shrink back from the promises that you have made because that is who you are. As we go forward... Let our light shine brightly, God. In your name, we pray these things. Amen and amen.